On the Pasuk in Parshas Toldois that says, Vayatek Mishom, the Yitzchok moves, Vayachper Beirachares, and he digs another well. Veloy Ravu Aleo, and then finally there's no arguments, there's no quarrelings regarding this well. The Pasuk says, Vayikra Shmar Rechoyves, he calls it Rechoyves. Vayoymer, and he says, Ki Ato, Hirchiv Hashem Lonu, now Hashem has given us plenty of space. Ufarinu Ba'aretz. It's going to be this word, Ufarinu Ba'aretz, that's going to be discussed in the Sikha. What does Ufarinu Ba'aretz mean? So Rashi quotes these words, Ufarinu Ba'aretz, and says, Kitargumoy, as the Targum translates it, Venipush Be'aro. So what exactly is the Pasuk saying? What is Rashi telling us? So the Mepharshim explained, what Rashi is trying to tell us is, seemingly the word Ufarinu would be in the past tense. But since the Pasuk says, Ki ato Hashem lanu, that now Hashem has given us ample space, how could Ufarinu mean in the past Hashem made us already Ufarinu Ba'aretz? This is why Rashi translates the word Ufarinu, that here we are to understand it, Vinipush, that the Targum says Vinipush, which indicates that we're speaking about something that's going to happen in the future. However, the Rebbe says, simply it's very, very difficult to say that that's what Rashi is trying to tell us. Because we find so many times in the Torah, words that on their own would be Lashon Ovar, on their own would be in the past tense. And when you put a Vav there, it changes it to the future. And therefore, simply in our case as well, the word Ufarinu with the Vav has no problem as meaning Ufarinu, that in the future we will multiply in the future, we will increase, so there's no question. There's no need for Rashi to come to explain, just like Rashi doesn't explain this anywhere else. Furthermore, the Rebbe says we have to understand, Rashi is explaining the word Ufarinu. He's not explaining the word Ba'aretz in the land. Because when Rashi quotes the Targum that says, V'nipush Ba'ara, Ba'ara meaning in the land, it's not adding any explanation to the word Ba'aretz. So he's not explaining the word Ba'aretz by just bringing us a Targum word on that. If that's the case, why is there a need for Rashi to quote from the Pasuk, Ufarinu Ba'aretz? To explain this, the Rebbe says, we need to actually examine that word Ufarinu itself, how we're understanding the translation of the word. The word Ufarinu is clearly associated with the word pre, which means a fruit. So Ufarinu would mean, and we will make and produce and have fruit. Since we're speaking about, Hirchiv Hashem Lonu, we're speaking about human beings. So clearly, what would it mean by a person having fruit? This means being fruitful in regards to children having sons and daughters. Similar to what the Pasuk says, Pru be fruitful and multiply, etc. On the other hand, in our case, it's different to Pru Why is that? When the Pasuk says Pru Rashi tells us that if it would have only said the word pru, be fruitful, we would have understood it as each person only having one child. Since it says uravu, in addition to pru, in addition to be fruitful, it says multiply. Now we understand that it actually means having each person can have more than one child. In our case, when it says the word ufarinu, after having said, Ki ato Hashem lonu, now that Hashem has given us plenty of space, now Ufarinu, it doesn't make sense at all that the word Ufarinu would mean that each per, that Yitzchak is only having one child. In other words, Ufarinu is coming to negate 
that a person shouldn't be barren and rather have a child. That's not in fitting with Hirchiv. Hirchiv, plenty of space would clearly mean having many children. If that's the case, how would we now understand Ufarinu? So we have another Pasek, a Pasek in Parshas Mishpatim, which is speaking about that the Abish says, I'm not going to chase away the Goyim all in one time out of the land in case the land will become desolate, etc. And therefore it says, I'm going to chase away the, the Goyim ma'at ma'at, slowly but surely. So, and, and then it says, until the time, Asher Tifra, until you will, Tifra, what does Tifra mean over here? Tifra means there will be plenty of people, lots of people. So in other words, we understand the word Tifra, and so too the word Ufarinu over here, that clearly it could mean having many, many children. But if that's the case, the problem becomes Yitzchak and Rivka only had two children, Yaakov and Esau. It could that mean, the Uforinu, could that possibly mean just two children, especially coming following from the word Hirchiv Hashem Lanu? And this is why Rashi comes along and tells us that the word Uforinu over here is completely not the way we would have understood it as in being fruitful in regards to having children. Not one child, not two children. Rather, vinipush. What does vinipush mean? Rashi told us elsewhere already the meaning of this word. In Parshas Bereshis, when it's discussing the four different rivers coming from Ganeiden, it says, Shem or Echad, one of them is called Pishoin. Rashi says, why is it called Pishoin? Because the waters in it were extra blessed. They were, would come up and irrigate the land. And that's why it's called Pishoin. Rashi says, like another possible Fashu Parashav, which means the horsemen increased. In other words, we're speaking about not necessarily having children. That's not the word meaning over here at all. It doesn't mean fruitful. Rather, it's an expression of something by itself increasing, becoming more greater and greater. So to over here, when it says Ufarinu Baritz, it's referring to Yitzchak himself. We're not even referring to his children. The Yitzchak himself will increase and become greater and bigger, as the Pasuk itself says, Vayigdalo Ish, Vayelech Halich V'Godel. The man became greater and more prosperous. At Kigodel Moid, until he became very great, and he has lots of sheep and cattle and Avudarabo and plenty of enterprises and so on. In other words, Rashi is translating the word Ufarinu. Vinipush from the Targum as meaning something else completely not being fruitful but increasing and becoming greater. If that's the case, says the Rebbe, why does the Rashi even need to quote the Targum at all? Why does he need to say this from Targum? Because that seems to be obvious because of the Pasuk itself. That must be the Pshat and the Pasuk because Yitzchak didn't have many children as said before. So the Rebbe says what, what Rashi is trying to tell us with saying the Targum is for the following idea. In most places where the Torah uses a word like Peru or Ravu, these kind of expressions, the Targum actually most of the time translates it in this same word, Pushu, which means to increase and to become bigger. In other words, according to the Targum, even when clearly we are speaking about having children, being fruitful, it also really means this same idea of Pishyoin, of increasing. Because, of course, when a person has children, that's also adding to himself that now he's becoming more and bigger and greater. In other words, according to Targum, the word Ufarinu, when we say that Ufarinu means that the person himself is becoming more and greater, it's not taking away 
from the Pirush in other places. In other words, it's not an exception to the rule. Really, according to the Targum, whenever it says a word like Uforinu and Pru or Avu and so on, it always means increasing. In some cases, it's referring to the fact that a person is having children. In some places, it's referring to the person himself becoming greater. And that's why Rashi is quoting the Targum to show us that this word Venipush is not telling us that in this case, the word Uforinu is an exception to the rule. Rather, this is what it always means. This is the word of Farin who always has the meaning of increasing. The Rebbe says, however, there's one more problem. Seemingly, what caused us to translate of Farinu in this way? Because we said Yitzchak only has two children. But we could say that it still does refer to having children, being fruitful in the sense of having children. It could still fit with Hirchiv Hashem Lanu that Hashem gave us ample space and plenty of space, how does that fit with only having two children? Is because Rashi told us already in Pasha's Vayera that grandchildren are considered like children. So possibly Euphorinu Ba'aretz can be referring to his grandchildren, to Yaakov's children, where he has 12 sons and Dina, etc. He says the Rebbe, this is exactly why Rashi needs to also have the word Ba'aretz, Euphorinu Ba'aretz. We will increase in the land. And in the Targum, he also brings Venipush Ba'aro. Because since we're speaking about the land of Eretz Yisrael, Yaakov's children weren't born in Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, Farinu Ba'aretz wouldn't be, be, be able to apply to them. And this is what's forcing Rashi to say that the translation of the word Ufarinu over here is nothing to do with, with uh, being fruitful, but as I said before, rather increasing and becoming bigger. The Rebbe says, another thing to point out about this Rashi is, why does Rashi have to quote the words of the Targum. Why couldn't Rashi do as he does sometimes, just say, Kit as Targum renders it? And you could yourself look into Targum and see what Targum says. So the Rebbe says, because really in Targum, there are two Gersois, there's two versions in the Targum over here. There is one Gersa that says, Vyafshinono, and another Gersa, as we quoted, is Vinipush. Rashi quotes the Targum to teach us that the correct Gersa is Vinipush. Why is that relevant? Rashi usually doesn't have to tell us what the correct girsa in Targum is. It's because it actually is going to change the meaning of our Pasuk. The Yafshi Nono would mean that he, meaning Hashem, will make us increase. Because in the Pasuk before, we're speaking about Hirchev Hashem Lono. The Yafshi Nono means he will make us increase. On the other hand, the Nipush means we increase on our own. Referring to Yitzchak and his family. The Rebbe is now going to explain this al The Rebbe says, in this Rashi. Rashi is quoting, as we just said from the Targum, the word, ba'ara. That means, this Pasuk is really telling us two ideas. There's one idea, ki Hashem lanu, what Hashem gave us. That comes, milamayla comes from above, the expansion that Hashem gave us. Then there's v'nipush ba'ara. There's us increasing, representing our avoida, what we come and achieve now. In other words, the person is created by the Abishter, but the whole idea, the tachlis of the Abishter created the Yid and gave us all of our koiches, hirchiv Hashem lanu, is that now we need to go ahead and work with all of that. As the Pasuk says, Adam, a person is created for toil and for work. And the Avoida is v'nipush be'aro. What does that mean? That he works with the land, he works with the world, with all the matters of the world, to make them increase even more than they were made by Hashem himself. In other words, he comes along and is revealing Elikus through Torah and mitzvahs, even in a place that as far as the creation itself is concerned, there's no Elikus Begili there. 
And now he's coming and adding that, as the Razal say, that a person through his avoider becomes a shutuf, like Kodesh Baruch Hu, a partner to Hashem in my separations in the creation. But furthermore, the Razal, Chazal tell us that just like the Eibishter is boiri oilom, the Eibishter creates oilom, so to your father. The obvious referring to is creating oilom. So you can come along and ask the question, how is such a thing possible? Since the Abishta created the world and the Abishta created it with its limitations, how could a person, or even a malach for that matter, any created being, come and change it and add it? This is what the Pasuk says, We need to realize that even the koichas, for whatever we're going to do, to add in the creation, that itself is coming from the Abishta. Also, he is the one that gives us the koichas to go higher than all of our limitations, and therefore we can and therefore it's our task to do it, to nullify the limitations of the world and to expand the world. Beruchnius, and automatically, of course, Begashmis as well, because we then bring in the brachis from the Eibishter and the world, the land, gives out all, its, all, all, all of the produce and so on. And as the Gemara says regarding Eretz Yisrael, the Eretz HaKodesh, the Holy Land, is like compared to a deer, where the physical deer expands while it's, uh, the, the Gemara says that, <clears throat> excuse me, during its lifetime, the skin of the deer is bigger. <coughs> Suddenly, after it's not alive anymore, we wonder where it disappeared to all the space. But while it was there, it was able to expand according to what it's needed. And says the same thing, Eretz Yisrael expands according to the bracha. To the extent that v'nipush be'ara, again, we ex- bring this expansion into the land. Says the Rebbe, this is also hinted in the Pasuk, I am Hashem that brings you up out of Mitzrayim, and you open your mouth and I will fill it. Says the Rebbe, here we again have these two ideas. On the one hand, that comes from above. The Eibishter takes us out of Mitzrayim. is telling us we need to now open our mouths big. We need to now expound upon what the Eibishter gave us, even more than what the Eibishter gave us. Even more than that, which is the mitzvah, the creation, we have the ability to add and to expand that. By the way, before we go further in the sicha, we're soon going to go in. When we finish the sicha, we'll have a look a little bit into the ha'ara, very fascinating and interesting ha'ara in regards to this pasuk. But here too, the Rebbe says we need to understand since the Abishta created our mouth in a specific way with its limitations, and as we know, the Abishta says to Moshe Rabbeinu, "Misom peladim." Who is the one that gave a person a mouth? Of course, it's I Hashem. So the Abishta gave us a mouth, how could we make it even bigger? And here is what the Pasuk tells us in the beginning of that Pasuk. I'm the one that lifts you up out of Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim represents limitations, but the Abishta lifts us up out of these limitations. And on the contrary, as we said before, we could actually even increase and add even more. And what do we say? It doesn't say that takes you out, like it says in most places. Rather, Hamalcha, which means he lifts us up, brings us up above and beyond all of the limitations. And therefore, a yid could come along, we could expand and make our mouths and the whole world bigger, removing and nullifying all of the limitations. In fact, this is the will and desire of the Abishter when he created the world that we should add to it through our Avoida. And he is the one that gives us the Koyach to be able to do it. Says the Rebbe, this is also the explanation of Pnei and Yonim, in a very fascinating Gemara, where you have a person called Turnus Rufus Harasha, and he argues with Rabbi Akiva, and he says, if the Abishta really loves the poor, why doesn't he feed them? In fact, he says, when you're giving them tzedakah, 
Chas v'shalom, the people giving tzedakah are going to go to Gehenim. You're going against Hashem's will. The Abishta wants this person to be poor, and you're now giving him money. Says Rabbi Akiva, where you're wrong is because a Yid is a child of the Abishta. In other words, his argument was, to Russia's argument was, since the Abishta created the poor people to be poor, how could you come and add and change that? How could you come and give them tzedakah? So says Rabbi Akiva that the Yidna called Bon of Shalakadish Baruchu, which will answer number one, how could we come along and give them tzedakah? As the Gemara is simply saying, because they're children of the Abishta, of course the Abishta would be happy that we come along and we help them. But also, how could we change the order of creation? Of course we can, because every Yid is a mamish. Every Yid is a child to, to the Abishta. And therefore the Yid has the Kayach to go beyond all of the limitations. And therefore not, it's not only not against Hashem's will, but on the contrary, this is what the Abishta wants, that we should go out of the limitations of the world. And in fact, he is even the one that gives us the Kayachas to do it. Says the Rebbe in this passage itself, it also says that Hashem is guaranteeing and gives us even more. In other words, not only he gives us the Kayach before the Avoidah to be able to do it, but he's the one that helps us to do the Avoidah. And that the Avoidah should be able to bear fruit and come to its purpose and its ultimate. In other words, to add to the world. And as the Pasuk says, Va'amaleyu, that by the person doing his bit, Harchev Picha, opening your mouth wide, Va'amaleyu. And the Abishta says, I'm guaranteeing that I'm going to fulfill everything that you asked for and everything that you want. And this too, says the Rebbe, is hinted. In the Pasuk of Farinu Ba'aretz, what is it Farinu Ba'aretz? It's not a tefillah, it's not a request, it's not a demand, it's not, it's not a, a davening, it's not a doubt whether it will happen. Ufarinu is certain, of course Ufarinu Ba'aretz. Because I said before, we are guaranteed that if we fulfill the Ratzon of the Abishta and we do the avoid that the Abishta demands, then surely we're going to come to the Tachlis and we achieve not only Ufarinu Ba'aretz, increasing in the land, but as said in Loshon Kodesh, but also as Rashi it brings us the Targum. Venipush Ba'ara means it's translated even into the Targum language. As explained to Chassidus, the Targum, when we have something that's not Lashon Kodesh, means that it's being brought down into a lower place, not only in a world as it's Lashon Kodesh, and even there, Oilam is already in Lashon Helam, but rather bringing it down even lower, even into Nyanei Choyl, into worldly matters. And Ba'ara, I said before, in the Targum Lashon, that even in the Ara, in the land, as it's in the lower level, is also becoming a dearer for Hashem. And when all of this is fulfilled, will be fulfilled the promise also of a nigluk v'yid Hashem v'roch ha'bosar yachdov ki pi Hashem dibe, that the whole world will see godliness in the world. At this point, I just want to go back to a very, very interesting ha'ara. It's one of the biggest ha'aras in Lekut HaSichus. Because there's a ha'ara and then a ha'ara on top of the ha'ara and then there's what's called a ha'isofa la'achazman, an addition that was added afterwards. And interestingly enough, Ba'ashgacha Pratis, we're learning this right now in Tavshin Pei Aleph, and the Ha'ara over here is built around also this number Pe'alaf. We mentioned earlier in the Sikha, the Pasik, Harchev Picha Vamaleu. So the Rebbe says in Ha'ara 31 that this Pasik is in capital Pe'alaf in Tehillim. Pe'alaf, says the Rebbe, represents the same idea. Harchavasape, broadening our mouth. Why is that? There's Pei and Pe'alaf. Pei already means a mouth. Pe in Lashon Kodesh means a mouth. Pei Aleph means that we're now going to add to the Peh, which is the Hoysofa, the Harchev, after having the Peh, the Ebishter gives us a mouth, and now we're adding even more. Says the Rebbe, based on the Minik, that the Alter Rebbe got from the Baal Shem Tev, that was supposed to say the Tehillim in accordance to the age that a person is. So the Rebbe now says, 
something very interesting. Who says this capital till when someone turns 80, I mean, he's going into his 81st year, he's lived already 80 years, he's going into his 81st year, he's saying capital pay aleph. So what's the idea? 80 represents the shleimus of nature. As the Pasuk says, a person lives in Begvurois, Shmoinim Shana. 80 years is already a beautiful life of, of shleimus of Teva. But now when you go into the following year, that means Harchave, you're going beyond the, the limitations of nature. And that's what we're now saying in capital Pei Aleph. What are we saying? The same idea. This command and the Koyach, that Harchev Picho, Va'amaleu, the Ebishter gave you a pair, but we could take it a step beyond that and go even further. Because this is a, there's some very interesting in Yadim and the Ha'ar over here, we'll just have a look a little bit more in some other things that the Rebbe says in the footnote on the footnote. And the Rebbe says something very, very interesting. This idea that we say that we say the capital according to the age is hinted in a very, very interesting way in capital Ayin Bezin Tehillim. Capital Ayin Bezin Tehillim finishes off with the words, Kalus Philois David Ben Yishai. Now is the end of the Tfilois of David Amelech. Now we know that the Gemara says that David Amelech. Any capital that was specially beloved for David HaMelech, he started with the word Ashrei and finished with the word Ashrei. And the Gemara gives an example over there from the beginning of Tehillim, which starts off Ashrei Ha'ish and finishes off Ashrei Kol Chai But hang on a minute. Ashrei Kol Chai is the end of capital Beis. So according to the Gemara, in some counts, we count Aleph and Beis as one capital which is another interesting thing that Rebbe deals with as well in the Hara, that there's a number of different counts in Tehillim, and the Rebbe answers some questions of the Mepharshim, and the Rebbe says it's not a problem why we have different counts, because even in Chumash there's different counts. Sometimes we count five Chumashim, sometimes we count it as seven Chumashim, so there's not a problem why we have different counts. But the Rebbe says, if we look at Aleph and Beis as one capital, so capital Ayin Beis is actually capital Ayin Aleph in that count, in David HaMelech's count. So when David HaMelech is 70 years old, he passes away when he's 70 years old. Which capital is he saying? Capital Ayin Aleph. This is when we say Kalus Philois is the end of the Tfilois of David Ben Yishai. As I said, there's even a further part of the Sahara which makes it all the more interesting. And the Rebbe in the later part of the Ha'ara, which is as, as it says over here, something added afterwards. The Rebbe actually explains this concept of why sometimes the first two Kapitlach are counted as one and sometimes counted as two separate Kapitlach. Why by David HaMelech himself it's counted as one and for most of the times in history we count it as two kapitlach. And the general idea what the Rebbe says over here, as we're just going through the general point of these Aris, not going word for word, but the general Nukudah that the Rebbe says is that Ashrei Oish is speaking about a Yid that's acting and doing the right things. Learning Torah, doing mitzvahs and so on and so forth. Comes the next kapitel, Lama Raksha Goyim, which is a kapitel which is basically saying how dare the Goyim even think that he could start up with the Yidin. Abish, they're sitting and laughing in heaven. There's no chance for the Goyim to be successful and so on and so forth. When times are ideal, like in the time of David HaMelech, these two ideas come together. They're one Tkufa, they're one period. It's all happening at the same time in the times of David HaMelech, for example. Yidin are learning Torah, Yidin are doing mitzvahs, Yidin are at the highest level. There's no chance even for Goyim to start up with the Yidin. So it's all seen as one unit. However, for most of the time of Golos, it's actually two separate things. There's individuals that are, of course, acting and doing the right things, but to come along and say, wow, how could there even be a Svarad that Goyim should even start up with the Eden? Unfortunately, for most of the time of the Golas, it's not exactly like that. When Mashiach will come, we'll turn around and say, wow, Lama Raksha Goyim, the Goyim don't even have a chance. 
And this is what the Rebbe says, that in the times of David HaMelech, the two kapitlach are seen as one kapitel, in other words, it's one inyan, but for most of the time, these two inyanim are actually seen as two separate kapitlach. So this is more or less the general idea of what the Rebbe gives over in this horror.